What up and welcome to the podcast. You are riding the unstoppable force known as D-Train. I'm your host, Devon Valentine, and thank you. Please kick back and relax as I talk to you about social and economic issues of today and of the past. Here's a short clip by Jeff Charlotte, the author of The Family. He's going to give his thoughts and his opinions, and after he speaks, I'll go ahead and give mine. So stick around. Yeah, The Family is the oldest and arguably most influential uh, religious political organization in Washington. Um, dates back to the Great Depression uh, in 1935, uh, when uh, the founder of this group had what he thought was a new revelation, um, that Christianity had been looking in the wrong direction for 2,000 years, focusing on the poor and the weak and the down and out, that God instead wanted him to work, God wanted to work through uh, elites, through those whom he called the up and out, and that he should be a missionary to and for the powerful. And that's what the family has been ever since, concentrating not on mass revivals, but on organizing congressmen, businessmen, uh, uh, foreign officials, and uh, today in Washington, uh, the membership is comprised uh, primarily of uh, senators and representatives and, and government officials who are bound with this uh, together in this idea um, that uh, what they see as, as spiritual warfare, they call it sometimes, or, or, or religious change can best be affected through elites, not through mass movements. Elite fundamentalism is always going to be... Um, involved with uh, a certain set of conservative interests, but certainly not uh, exclusively Republican. And, you know, what's interesting about the family and why the family uh, is a particularly useful group for going back and reviewing the history of conservatism is that while it's always been majority Republican, it's never been exclusively Republican. Um, back in the early days, there was a lot of uh, the so-called Dixiecrats, the, the conservative pro-segregation Southern Democrats. Strom Thurmond was involved, Herman Talmadge. Um, Absalom Willis Robertson, a senator from Virginia, and Pat Robertson's father. Um, uh, and today, I think um, uh, what's interesting is the populist movement of fundamentalism is starting to mirror that approach that elite fundamentalism uh, has, has long had of trying to, you know, have influence across the political spectrum. Um, and understanding that when you do that, you can drag the whole political spectrum rightward. Um, so the family's always been doing this, always cultivating certain Democrats. And I think now we're starting to see populist conservatives recognize um, that they were too, too tied to the Republican Party. Um, so there's the Republican uh, partisan activists, but then there's the real conservative sort of um, uh, uh, visionaries, for lack of a better word, they don't care who does the changes they want to see happen. Um, they don't care if uh, it's uh, Senator Chuck Grassley uh, uh, standing in the door and blocking uh, Obama's uh, uh, legislative changes, or if it's Senator Mark Pryor, a Democrat from Arkansas, who was arguably one of the, the, the key men in scuttling a big part of Obama's uh, 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 labor um, agenda. Um, and in fact, I think they take great satisfaction from the idea that there's Democrats and Republicans involved, um, because to them, this is testifying to the sort of the universal truth of their cause. They say, in fact, what we're saying isn't conservative or liberal. It's not, uh, uh, it's not right wing or left wing. It's simply true. And all these Republicans know it, and a bunch of Democrats know that too. Elite fundamentalism has always been 
uh, on the corporate side of things. Um, but what that does is tell us that these things, that this divide is not nearly so sharp as um, uh, you know, maybe David Brooks would have us believe that there's some some rabble out there, and then there's some high-minded proper uh, Republicans. Um, you know, the family begins as a Christian fundamentalist anti-labor organization. It begins with a bunch of uh, uh, bosses getting together and saying we're going to break labor spine, and that we're doing this for Jesus. This is what Jesus wants. Um, so it's the rhetoric that maybe that you're familiar with uh, from. Uh, uh, the, the fights over abortion, but being applied to corporate interests um, uh, uh, and service of what uh, the family uh, in particular, but also other uh, religious conservatives would come to call over the years, biblical capitalism. Uh, the idea that capitalism is foreordained in the Bible um, and that in as much as we interfere with the market, we're interfering with God's very literal and visible hand, God's ability to move the hearts of uh, uh, big business people, and, and have them do the right thing. Um, that, that instead of relying on uh, government programs or labor unions or any kind of activism, we should rely on Jesus to move the hearts of these leaders and that they will then dispense the blessings to the rest of us. So it's a sort of trickle-down uh, trickle economics and trickle-down uh, religion. Um, and that's influenced the shape of populist conservatism uh, at this point, too. I mean, I remember a few years ago I was in a a megachurch in Colorado Springs, uh, 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 Ted Haggard's church before uh, Ted Haggard's fall. This was a very prominent uh, pastor who's no longer so prominent after it came out that he was having a relationship with a, a male prostitute. Um, but at the time, Haggard had managed to get the uh, 11,000 or so members of his church all riled up over the issue of steel tariffs. Steel tariffs, that was, that was the issue. Steel tariffs were violating God's plan. Um, and these weren't wealthy people. Uh, these were mostly working class people. Um, so that's that kind of trickle down religion uh, in action um, and showing uh, that you can, you can recruit the populist conservatism uh, for the interests of, of corporate conservatism, that the two things uh, can be married into, into one unholy union. What up and welcome to the podcast. You are riding with D-Train. Tonight we are talking about who is Douglas Coe. Who is Doug Coe? Doug Coe is featured in a new Netflix special called The Family. You can catch that out now. It's already been out a few months. I had just got done watching it not too long ago, especially around this individual named Doug Coe. And really, who is the family and how do they operate? He is referred to by... Time Magazine as the Stealth Billy Graham. It is a invisible organization, though it has always been organized around men who have power. Public men like senators such as Sam Brownback of Kansas. Ducko was an ordained Presbyterian elder and served as a lay minister. And a lay minister is a man of faith or a person of faith who is of a Christian denomination and they are not ordained in their faith tradition. So this person could be, for black people, is their grandmother or their mother who has a real strong spiritual sense about her. And although she might not be, has some kind of high calling in a church or even an ordained minister, that they're real spiritual and people come to them and ask them all kinds of questions, usually prophetic questions. So Douglas Coe, or Doug Coe, and a man named Roy Cook, 
were enrolled at Williamette University. They became involved in layman's group of various kinds and helped establish a navigator house in Salem. A navigator house is a house where people get groomed to be leaders, not just, you know, these are men or women of extreme power. We're talking about senators. We're talking about judges. We're talking about police chiefs. The top one to two percent. So Jeff Charlotte, he had spoke of this house called Ivanwald, where he was started out and he was groomed by a bunch of other men. It's kind of like a frat house. So you have this house and there's a bunch of guys who live there. And these men, they do normal things. You know, they hang out. Um, they talk about girls or they talk about their lives. They talk about their childhood. They play football or baseball or whatever it is that guys are into. And they talk about Jesus. Their whole uh, surroundings of their conversation or of them being there is about Jesus. So this is how Doug Coe, this is where Doug Coe come to have met a man named Dr. Abraham Verady. And Verady is a man that was given a vision Kind of like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was the messenger for the Muslim Brotherhood. Verity was also given a message and he had passed that message on down to Doug Coe. And this is why Doug Coe has been featured in several um, pictures where it's been taken either with uh, various presidents like George Bush Sr., uh, you see him in pictures also with uh, the Clintons, um, quite a few other um, prominent and well-known individuals. So this Verady guy, Abraham Verady, he was a Christian leader where the focus was prayer. And they prayed to find good leadership and to be the kind of leaders that God had wanted. So you might want to know some more names about who exactly is in the family. Well, the family's historic roll call is a little bit striking or may be quite striking to you. The late Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina. There are other leaderships. Herman Talmadge of Georgia. Absalom Willis Robertson of Virginia. You have also Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson's father who served on the behind the scenes board of the organization back in uh, 1974. And a family prayer group. Republican Congressman and former Secretary of Defense uh, Melvin Laird. President Gerald Ford that Richard Nixon deserved not to deserve not Christian forgiveness but also a legal pardon. That same year, um, the Supreme Court Justice William Rehnquist led the family's first Bible study for federal judges. So you have this leadership here at the top where you have people who are of great power and authority in their state, or you have these leaders who are over their own country or small countries. And what they do is that they look out for each other. They have these prayer groups, right? The National Prayer Breakfast that takes place every year in February. And what happened is, is that this is an opportunity in a place where people of power can get together and they can rub elbows and they exchange phone numbers, they exchange ideas, and they talk to each other about the things that they want to happen for their country. The Americans is all about Jesus and they promote Jesus as the leader of the free world. The thing is, is that when it comes to this national prayer breakfast, it's not just all Americans. You have leaders of other countries who are invited to this and possibly um, dictators who are abusive to their citizens may kill. They may kill. They may maim. There is discrimination in their countries and so on and so forth. And 
what the family members do is try to talk to these these leaders or these dictators and try to convert them to Christian ideals or ideas. Try to have some kind of an alliance. It's not necessarily quid pro quo. It's more so of, hey, you know, we're the biggest, baddest guys on the block. You know, this is what we have to offer. If you want to be a part of our crew, these are the terms. And... So therefore, you have these different alliances. Here's a quote, President Reagan. He had said that he wished that he could say more about the, he says, quote, I wish I could say more publicly uh, demurred back in 1985, but it's working precisely because it's private. We desire to see a leadership led by God and that is confident. So the family works behind closed doors. Whenever you're invited to this prayer breakfast, was expected to chop off the head of their mother and their father. And then as soon as he talks about this kid chopping off the head of his mother and father, he goes in and starts talking about Hitler and Stalin and all these other crazy individuals and the kind of power and loyalty that they've had. He doesn't respect the end of their their reign, but he respects the power and the loyalty that they've had. Uh, people were willing to die or they believed all the things that were, were said or the, the information that was given to them. And so the family operates the same. They operate through trickery. They operate through manipulation because they're not being clear about what's going on and what our money is being spent on. There's a house in Washington, D.C. called C Street. This house was named as a church and there were several members living in this house. They would basically live there for free. Well, these cats are getting paid a lot of money by the taxpayers. Why are they living in this house for free? Uh, because they had declared that this house is a church. You know, church and state supposed to be separate. Well, that's entirely another story. They want to have power and they want to have control. They want to manipulate your thoughts, what you see, how you live, and so on and so forth. No, you might not be able to stop them. No, I'm not asking you to go out there and stop these folks or to go out and raise hell. But I want you to understand and I want you to see and even do your research on the people that are trying to be mayor in your city or a police chief, police officer, you know, anybody who has high authority or high power who can make really large decisions that can change the way that you live, the things that affect you. You should be very curious about their intentions about the things that they've done in the past and what they intend on doing in the future. And if they're doing anything that has to do with control, stealing your money and making your life a living hell and making theirs better than they living high on the hog, then you should definitely look to either vote them out, protest your way to getting them out of office, coming together, making plans, having each other's back. Because at the top of the leadership, these folks looking out for themselves they're covering for themselves and they're working together regardless of the issues that they might have within the structure of their family and if they're doing that and they're having that kind of success then you might want to think about mimicking some of what they do such as the loyalty i'm not saying to go out there and to to cover for your your brother your sister they're out there committing crimes but i'm saying is to look out for one another to talk to one another about the different needs that you have in your community and the desires that you have for your kids when it comes to schooling or whether it comes to what kind of neighborhood they're living in and try to make these things happen because if you're not going to look out for you then nobody else will
all right that's it for this podcast please feel free to come check me out either on sundays or on wednesdays it's typically when i post and in the meantime go ahead and go check out the family which is still on netflix and check out all the different articles that you can in the media as well as finding out